It takes more than an exhaustive list of overly prescriptive linting rules to be a software engineer. <laughs> this is episode 105 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host and human linter, Dave Smith. <laughs> I just turned on a linter on one of my projects and it just made me mad. It's so <laughs> stupid. It's just just thousands of useless errors that don't like matter. I feel like you are going through the stages of grief. The first one is denial, then anger, then bargaining. Then what's the next one? Well, is there a stage where you just turn off the thing that's causing you grief? Because I think that's coming up pretty soon. <laughs> that's bargaining. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you can't tell me what to do. I'm a strong independent programmer. I'm going to use VAR. You can't stop me. Um, oh. What are we doing? What is this podcast oh, <laughs> besides so, uh, a place to gripe about linters? Yeah, I mean, that's the number one thing. But the number two thing we do is we provide advice for people who write in with questions. Mm -hmm. And we answer your non-technical questions about technical fields like software. That's right. And, you know, I was doing a little math. We've answered a lot of questions on this show. Like is oh, it hundreds. 105 times two? I think it is. <laughs> Was that the math you did? <laughs> it took me a while, but yeah, I did it. You know, I had to carry the one at one point. <laughs> we did a rapid fire episode and oh, then yeah. we skipped episode 100. So that complicates the math. <laughs> but we'll yeah, need a lot, to do it I mean, offline. <laughs> so many questions. And, you know, I, yeah. we've, we've said this before, but when we started the show, I remember talking to Jameson and thinking, okay, there's probably enough material here for like three or four episodes and then we're going to run out of stuff. And Jameson was like, uh, Dave, you're completely wrong. <laughs> Do you remember that conversation? I always remember the times where you are wrong and I am right because there's so few in number. <laughs> well, so, yes, I, was, I remember that one. <laughs> it was very wrong. Uh, and the, the questions just keep pouring in. Um, and I'm like, oh, that's a great topic. I, I, most of these questions, I'm like, this is great. I wish we could answer all of them. We just don't have enough hours in the podcast. Yeah, I've been reading a lot about project management and lean and agile stuff. And so now I'm really inspired to make a big old burndown chart. Of all the questions? Yeah, of our question backlog. And, and just like a good <laughs> scope creep, that will always, it'll go down a little and then move right on back up. Yep. Never quite burning down to zero. Just like a good scrum team. <laughs> well, think of it like a campfire. You don't want it to go all the way out because how are you going to roast marshmallows? Fair point. You need to have it burning still i don't know if, if you ask my 11 year old boy the best way to cook a marshmallow is in a raging fire that's like six feet tall <laughs> and, and the marshmallow comes out just blackened to a crisp yeah you need that hint of lighter fluid on it <laughs> it's a nice garnish uh, we have some right. patrons to thank do you want to talk about those helpful wonderful people yes thank you to those who are contributing at the level that gets a call out every single episode we have paulino de rocha David Jackson, Chris Fitkin, Ken Howard, Sean Clayton, and Dustin Coates. Thank you for your financial support. And if people want to support the show financially, Jameson, how do they do it? They can go to www.patreon.com slash softskillseng. That's our Patreon. You can also find a link to it on our website at softskills.audio. And then you click a button and then do what it tells you when it asks you to sign up and donate. That's right. If you do that, what... What what's the outcome? Like, what do you get out of it? You mean besides the sense of satisfaction and good sleep at night? 
Well, when you say besides, it makes it sound like there are other things. <laughs> <laughs> I may have as been far a little as I'm aware, That's the main benefit. <laughs> no, it, it, yeah, we don't offer a ton of rewards. It's it's mostly a thing we we encourage people to do because people have asked for ways to support the show, and that's a way you can show support. Um, it helps us pay for expenses related to the show, hosting and and time and editing and all that stuff, and uh, it it encourages us to keep going. We feel great to see how much support we've gotten. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Thank you so much. Should we get to the questions? Sure. Should I read the first one? Please read the first one. Yeah. Okay. This comes from an anonymous listener who says, I've been a software engineer for about 13 years. My director encouraged me to apply for a new management position. I've been thinking that management is something I'd enjoy and do well. I find myself caring more about improving the way my team functions than about the way our code functions, which seems like it's the right time to consider a management role. My director made it clear that while he thinks I'd be a good fit for the position and would benefit from the experience of applying for it, there's no guarantee that I'll get it. So I wanna make my resume look as strong as possible and prepare to interview well, but I'm struggling to point to concrete accomplishments I've achieved through good leadership. I currently serve in a scrum master role, that's scrum master in air quotes, I put Scrum Master in quotes because my team doesn't use Scrum, but we don't have a better term for, quote, person who advocates for lean and agile practices and runs most team meetings. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably more Scrummy than most people, I I would guess, actually. Yeah, yeah, I think so. (laughs) Sounds like you're doing just fine. Yeah. (laughs) I know I can talk about what I've done as a Scrum Master, but I'm not sure what else to include. Most of my accomplishments up to this point in my career have been technical in nature, and I don't know to what extent I should continue to highlight them. I know my technical skills will continue to be relevant, but I'm not sure how relevant. Any suggestions for putting together a resume and preparing to interview? That's a great question. Yes. And what a difficult situation. Like, don't, I, you know, a lot of times people have to interview for jobs within their same company. And it's not kind of frustrating. Like, wait, I already interviewed for this company. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was just thinking this feels like a similar, there's this divide from, going to a boot camp or or starting to learn how to program and getting your first programming job there's this gap that you cross and it's like it feels like a miracle every time anyone crosses it and and everyone wants to know how to do it and it's hard to come up with like a concrete list of steps you follow mm-hmm. and it feels almost similar the the gap from individual contributor to manager like you want a job that you have not officially had before and everyone says we want someone with x years of experience in this job to do it yeah, exactly. Like, how do you how do you do that? How do you? It's like a yeah. How do you do it once you <laughs> when you need experience to do it? If only there was a metaphor for this involving poultry. Um, I have I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's the chicken and oh, egg like problem. A turducken? <laughs> oh, the chicken and egg problem. Okay. <laughs> the turducken. <laughs> I don't know. I thought you were gonna say like layers of responsibility <laughs> stuffed inside each other <laughs> oh my gosh oh boy i wish it was a turducken uh, yeah metaphor. the classic turducken metaphor <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll make it a thing oh man what a turducken situation you've got here <laughs> what a just turducken of a problem yeah chicken and egg okay i got gotcha. you i have heard that one before what you humans call chicken and egg problem <laughs> I've come to know your culture and appreciate it. <laughs> oh, man. Yep. Yeah. 
in in this case, okay, I have real stuff to say besides <laughs> pretend to be an alien that doesn't know how human culture works. <laughs> okay. If you don't have experience directly doing the job, you can mold your existing experience to be relevant to the job. Hmm. And you can also make it clear that they're hiring on potential. So I think you're on the right track when you say, I'm struggling to point to concrete accomplishments I've achieved through good leadership, where, where you might not have worked as a manager, but you for sure have done some kind of individual contributions that involve leadership. So if you can take your individual experience and, and emphasize how it involved working with other people and helping other people accomplish tasks and kind of broad managerial stuff, even if your title hasn't been manager, that's okay, great. Okay, so, but, but you need to come up with this number, right? So you say, I've spent about 20% of the last, I don't know, 13 years in a leadership capacity. So therefore I have 2.6 years of management experience and I meet the qualifications oh, for this. Position. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah, okay. So it's like a, it's like a man months kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yep. Which is accurate, we know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think a lot of this is like dealing with your own imposter syndrome. So if you can convince yourself that you're qualified and you deserve to apply, I think you're being a little tongue in cheek, but I think it's probably true, right? Mm -hmm. There are people that have no qualms about just like blissfully applying to jobs they're in no way qualified for. And sometimes they get it. <laughs> and <laughs> And if you have some qualms, but some non-qualms what's the opposite <laughs> yep. of a qualm i don't know <laughs> you're you're like medium qualmy Com compunctions uh, no I don't is know. that a real word i thought boy so until you we just find ourselves that. in a turducken of a situation again <laughs> <laughs> um, basically if those people can do it you can do it because you're way more qualified <laughs> every time i i look at resumes i always think if I could have the boldness of this like bottom 1% of the people that applied for this job, <laughs> what would my life be like? Uh, you'd be an astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> I would die alone in space. <laughs> you'd be orbiting the earth, looking down on earth going, I made it. <laughs> Boy, I wish astronaut. I had attached that line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyways... I think rambling back, I rambled away from my point. I'm going to ramble on back to it. <laughs> if if they're hiring for potential, make it clear what that potential is, right? You, you don't have to say like, I have done all this stuff before, but you can say, here are all my ideas for what I would do in this situation, especially, especially when you know what team it is and you know the situation they're in and the position. I think that's a pretty great opportunity to come in with a strong plan of like, here are the problems that this team has. Here are how I would address them. Here's how things would be different if you hired me. And that's a pretty unique advantage you have as an internal candidate that someone from the outside might not have. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. And I think when you said hire for potential, Jameson, that really struck a chord within me because I moved into management a few years ago and that's exactly the situation I was in. I had no formal management experience, but what I had was plenty of team collaboration a lot of experience supporting my team and helping them. And I had definitely earned my team's trust. And so when I sat down with the, the supervisor, the manager who was going to, you know, make me this opportunity, create this opportunity for me, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, I told him, I will throw my heart into management in the same way that I have thrown it into the technical aspects of my job. And I think that my technical track record speaks for itself. You can see all the great things I've delivered, the work I've done, and I promise to give that level of enthusiasm and effort and rigor into being a good manager as I have into being a good engineer. 
You're hired. <laughs> you get the job. What a pitch. Boy, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the the pitch for when I became a manager. And I think it was a reverse pitch. It was like <laughs> no one else will do this. Everyone we've asked before you has said no. And we asked everyone. <laughs> We're all 23. <laughs> no one knows what they're doing. <laughs> will that was, you That was a little bit of the situation I was in as well. It was kind of like, okay, we don't have a manager. We really need one. We don't really want to go hire one. Yeah. Know? And I was like, well, I guess I can do it. You know, it's a little yeah, bit of a different situation kinda, here. Yeah. Yeah. That's much different. <laughs> you sound like you know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I like that. I like the idea of emphasizing your potential. I like what you talked about, about pointing to your technical success too. The question asker says a little bit that they struggle to to point to like these leadership accomplishments, mm -hmm. but for better or for worse, technical management is often based off of individual contributions and people that are strong individual contributors get promoted to management. Even though they're wildly different skill sets and people good at one might not necessarily be good at another one, just having a track record of individual success is, is a pretty strong argument. And that's kind of the default way most moves into management happen. Someone yeah. does good work and they seem like they wouldn't be like actively horrible at it and don't actively <laughs> not want to do it. And then they just get an opportunity to move into management. So you're saying if you're a good engineer and you're not a monster, then we're going to give you a chance as a manager. Is that, is that what you're saying? I mean, it, it might not fall into your lap, but if you are a good engineer, being a good engineer is the first criteria that most places use for having people, having engineers move into management. Okay. So I, I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't underemphasize that. I would say yeah. that's a, that's definitely a thing you can use in your interview to say, this is all the stuff I've delivered. Like Dave said. Yeah. And, and one of the things that this writer says is I know my technical skills will continue to be relevant, but I'm not sure how relevant. And I'll tell you, they will be very relevant. And in fact, I think this is maybe a unique opportunity or a unique attribute that you bring to the table for this opportunity, which is that really good managers, not, this isn't like a prerequisite to being a manager but some of the best managers i've seen in action are those that still have intact technical skills and the reason is they can empathize with their team really well because they know firsthand what it, what it's like to be in their situation they can nudge their team in the right direction when they see a mistake coming down the pike and they can call out small mistakes before they become these big titanic sized disasters so don't undersell that i think that um I think that that's actually a really good thing that you bring to the table. And and to answer your question, how relevant will those skills be? I think very relevant. You might not be writing code every day, depending on the company, but it will certainly serve you as a leader for this team. Yeah. Were you writing code every day when you were a manager at your previous position? Not every day, but I probably spent about um, 10 to 15 hours a week on a good week writing code. So my team's pretty small. It's only five people. I probably spend a about half my time writing code still. Oh, cool. That's great. Yeah. I, and if I spent less than that, I feel like it would be a problem. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't okay. know. It, and it spikes up and down. A problem but it's for like, your team or a problem for you personally? You know, I don't know the answer to that. I, I, I like the amount of code writing that I get to do still okay. because I feel like it keeps me in touch with the team in a way that I wouldn't be if I wasn't writing code. And also it's, I don't know, it's nice to get a very concrete thing done when you're working in the yeah. abstract so much. Oh yeah, so true. 
it's nice to sit down and say, the problem here is these inputs and these outputs need to get connected and I will connect them with my brain and nothing <laughs> can stop me <laughs> except my brain. That's, cool. that's great. So what about skills in the actual interview? Or sorry, not skills, but like, you know, what should they do in the interview itself? I, th I think what I said earlier about having a plan is pretty important. Um, I mean, they're going to ask you questions, so answer those. <laughs> but <laughs> if you don't know what they are, it's hard to know exactly. But Try, I, try answering I, I think... the questions. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Plead the fifth. <laughs> Flip the interview around, interview them. Ooh. Say you'll be rating them on their abilities as an interviewer. <laughs> yeah, I, I think going in with an idea of what would make you successful and what you are going to do and see if you can work those into the answers to the questions they ask. Be like a presidential candidate in a debate where they ask you a question and you turn it into like, here's what I want to say. Yep. <laughs> I don't care what the question was. <laughs> One of the things you can do to try to convince your the, the decision makers that you have the trust of your team and that you'll be a good leader for them is to collect testimonials from them. And um, you could have them write little snippets, just, you know, one-on-one -on -one, seek people out that you feel like you did a particularly good thing for and who you have earned their trust and ask them to say, hey, could you write a few sentences describing, you know, how my help on this project impacted you positively? And uh, I want to use this for feedback as well as, as a, you know, kind of for my own portfolio for the future. Um, and, uh, and see what you can gather there because those little testimonials will speak volumes. Like you can say out loud, my team trusts me and I'll lead them well, but it's much more powerful to have your team say, I trust this person and they will lead me well. Yeah, I like it. Any other tips? Well, aside from the typical interview stuff of trying to make yourself bigger and taller. And, <laughs> taller, and yes. Louder, you know, maybe bring Just a megaphone. Occupy more physical and verbal and i don't know emotional space that's right <laughs> maybe demonstrate how good you are at reprimanding people through elevating your voice <laughs> okay you you pretend like you were late on a task and i'll show you what i would do <laughs> and you slam the table and call them a moron perfect you're hired <laughs> this is the best management i've ever seen we need strong decisive leaders <laughs> strong loud tall decisive leaders yeah <laughs> ah right. shoot i'm disqualified okay <laughs> I, th I think question answered i think you're set up pretty well for success agreed good luck let us know how it goes yep all right would you Can like to read, read the next, next question oh you read my mind before you read the question i will now read your question yes this is from olga how do i deal with noises around my desk that annoy me the guy sitting nearby listens to music very loudly Another one pops the bubbles on his bubble wrap to calm himself, obviously, but also it infuriates me. Please help. <laughs> oh, this is a tough one. Can I tell a little story? Oh, yeah, please do. So there was a time at, uh, about 10 years ago in my company where we had shared offices with just two people to an office. And at one point, my office mate had left the company, leaving me alone for a period of time. And so I took advantage of that by playing some music, soft music, not too loud maybe a little loud but you know i had my own private office so i thought this is cool i can play music in my office well i did can this you give me an example of the genre of music you would play uh, <laughs> it was probably they might be giants <laughs> okay 
So most people probably find it very, Particle very Particle man. Yeah. Particle man. <laughs> probably not Just to like most people's taste. Shaking the walls. <laughs> So I'm just working along, you know, it had been most of the morning this way. And my neighboring office, a person from my neighboring office walked down the hall, came into my room and said, would you please turn that music off? This is not a dorm room. <laughs> he was so upset. <laughs> and then he just left. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? I did turn it off. <laughs> okay. So yell at them. That's what you're saying. <laughs> I feel like I've personally had issues with people listening to music on headphones in at volumes that I I can't comprehend how they have any hearing left at all. <laughs> it's just like so earth-shakingly loud in their headphones that it's pretty easily audible mm-hmm. to me, like sitting even not even next to them, but pretty far away. And I've never said anything. I, well, usually I just put on my own headphones and yeah. bail out, but I wish that I could channel your friend and just come over. Well, maybe he wasn't your friend. (laughs) Maybe he was until that moment, but maybe I needed to just go yell at them. Open floor plans are pretty great though, right? Isn't it great that you get to hear the noise of every single person you work with all the time? Oh yeah, every noise. Not just hear the noise, you get to see exactly what they're doing. So you hear a strange noise, you look over, you see them just clipping their toenails right up on the desk. (laughs) You can't pretend like it's like some soothing background noise that they (laughs) that they've set up for you oh my gosh yes i work from home my workplace habits have deteriorated and we went to a team-wide meetup a couple weeks ago and it was the first time i had worked like around a bunch of other people for long periods of time in several months and it was like tiring to maintain good etiquette (laughs) Mm -hmm. i feel like i did a pretty good job but it was exhausting after being used to just like lounging in my sweatpants all day mm-hmm. playing my they might be giants <laughs> of course you were i can only get work done when i listen to a little birdhouse in your soul <laughs> it's my happy place <sighs> here's what you do okay the bubble wrap thing you find his bubble wrap you get a very small syringe and you inject a clear yet very smelly fluid into all the bubbles <laughs> so he pops them splatters all over him Nice. And he and, stops popping those bubbles. And now it's not only loud and annoying, but it also stinks in your open floor plan. <laughs> I, I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't be loud because it would just like ooze out, but okay. it might smell. That's true. I guess that's a risk you have to take. <laughs> or you could pop them all, right? If he stands up to go get a drink, <laughs> just run over to his desk and pop all his bubbles. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, oh, that's a great gone. idea. And then he comes back. And just The look yeah, on his face popped. is going to be just priceless. Like, oh, my bubbles. You tell him <laughs> it was so relaxing to me. <laughs> just, li- just sit in your chair like with the most relaxed look you can possibly muster. Ah. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> so satisfied right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. So a, f- a few years ago, a friend of mine worked for a company that had a pretty cramped open floor plan and he posted on facebook look how awesome my employer is they bought noise canceling headphones for everyone and i just (laughs) i thought to myself i know why they bought those noise canceling headphones (laughs) you know how much cheaper it is to buy noise canceling headphones than give people offices (laughs) oh yes a lot cheaper 
And I was I, I had been in this office and it was like the comp- the monitors were like touching each other. These developers are so close. Yeah. So I was like, well, enjoy your noise canceling headphones. But you could try them. I bought noise canceling headphones to 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 deal with this problem once. And uh, have you ever used those before? Yeah, yeah. I worked in an office like that where they bought everyone noise canceling headphones as like a sorry we can't get you a real office <laughs> <laughs> apology perk. And did they work for you? They were, uh, well, no, first of all, because it didn't help the visual stuff. And then also, I mean, they they say noise canceling. You can still hear. It's just harder to hear. Yeah. So I would still get distracted by other stuff pretty regularly. I found them to be pretty effective at canceling noise, especially uh, white noise. But they made me feel like I was on an airplane climbing upward and my ears were popping permanently. Huh. And I yeah, found I kind of get that feel a little bit. I found out that there's like a psychological effect that does that, where it, because there's no noise, your ear thinks, or your brain makes you think that there's a low pressure situation or a pressure differential. Huh. And some people suffer from it. So I had to sell them. I just couldn't handle it. So wow. They made it worse. Yeah, I, so. I can tell a difference, but it didn't, it, it wasn't unbearable. I have had coworkers who said they just can't use them though. No, well, that's me. You had to sell them as in the company bought you noise canceling headphones and then you sold them for a profit? <laughs> no, I bought my nice. own and then I sold them oh, okay. for a loss. <laughs> okay. Construct an office out of used bubble wrap that this dude leaves behind. Okay. <laughs> Build yourself. Oh, an, an acoustic chamber. Yeah. Out of bubble wrap. Yeah. What I actually really ended up doing was I would work, I feel like most places that have open offices have little private rooms for you to go take conference calls or whatever. And I would just work in those basically all the time. Yeah. And then eventually we grew so much that they weren't ever open. And then I was just unhappy. That was my solution. (laughs) (laughs) Just be unhappy. (laughs) Yep. What if you started a noise war arms race where you come up with annoying noises that you make to try to counteract their annoying noises. <laughs> this is my therapy, Vuvuzela. <laughs> it just really <laughs> relaxes me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you need to save that towards the end of the race. Otherwise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's your nuclear you option. Have, yeah, there's not much to escalate to beyond that. An air horn. I don't know. Yeah. A train whistle. Oh, yeah. That's what I was okay. just thinking. Anyway, go for it. Just just go all in on this thing. So you are joking, but I think there might be something to to talking about noise policies around the office. Maybe I've I've heard of places that do like library zones, right? Where you're just not supposed to talk. There's like a quiet room or I don't know, maybe you could talk to people and establish some kind of baseline for 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 what the expectation around noise and conversations is. Yeah, I think so. I think any any group of people that are going to work in that close of a, of a space need to have some kind of charter or like what's the word? Kind of like a a rule of law. <laughs> I don't know. To Yeah. To basically have like an agreed upon set of norms that we're going to follow and I think noise definitely is on the list. I don't think I've seen a company do this before where they actually formally write down the rules for noise. I have only seen the quiet spaces set aside and I've seen Mm -hmm. it happen in an ad hoc way of like the engineering team is just very quiet because they want to be. But I feel like, especially if you're in interdisciplinary teams or teams where there are lots of loud people, otherwise the policy just gets set by the loudest person (laughs) and that's great for them and horrible for everybody else. So (laughs) yeah, maybe, maybe there's something to just talking about it as a team and saying like, 
hey, we, we work better when there's quiet. We're in this situation that sucks and we can't just move everyone into offices. So to make it easier for everyone to be productive, here are some expectations. Yeah. And if you want to blast your music super loud, like that's great. But um, if it's so loud that it bothers other people, then you have to turn it down or get headphones that isolate it better. Yeah. Maybe yeah, they're like using that. those open-backed headphones or something. That's a thing? Yeah, yeah, they're open-backed headphones that supposedly have some nice acoustic properties. Hmm. I am not an audiophile, so to me, they after like if I switch between them, I can tell a difference, and then two minutes later, it just is all like my brain is used to it. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. All right. Yeah, we probably helped. <laughs> Do we have any real <laughs> advice? I feel like I... I your story of getting yelled at and then stopping is like <laughs> inspirational to me, but I'm not, I, I would never be able to just storm over and yell at someone for being too loud. Well, there's the first time for everything, Jameson. Yeah, maybe. Well, I guess I do that to my daughter sometimes <laughs> <laughs> when she's like screaming and pounding on my Stop door. Stop yelling. Yeah, it helps a lot. <laughs> she's like, oh, we're in an arms race. I get it. <laughs> I know how to do this. I've done this. Yeah, I've done this before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good luck with yeah, that. Yeah, I think good I, luck. It's a. It can be a sensitive topic to tread, but I think you, it's probably worth treading if it bothers you. And and uh, whatever you do, don't be passive aggressive about it. Where you know you just kind of drop these subtle hints in awkward situations. It's much easier, I think, to be direct about it. And I think you can approach this subject without being negative or complainy. You can just say, "Hey, I'm having a hard time working," and I think. It would be great if we could have, you know, these, let's have these rules, you know, no bubble wrap yeah. hopping while I'm trying to write code. <laughs> that just seems, I can't understand how that's a thing this person thinks is okay in a shared office space. That's so bizarre to me. Yeah. Get them a, get them a, like a dog instead. The dog, they can pet the dog. I've never worked somewhere with an office dog and I see all the like uh, I have glowing that. tweets about it. And I just think. What if they just pee? Like, yeah. What if the office dog pees on you? What if you get on an elevator? That's distracting, right? And there's a dog on there that's huge and has clearly not been bathed in a while, and you start yeah. dry heaving a little bit from the smell. I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm maybe speaking from experience here. <laughs> what if your office dog is not friendly <laughs> and makes people uncomfortable? <laughs> that couldn't possibly be the case. Dogs are no. A, force of pure good in the universe that's right if you have a problem you can leave the company because <laughs> <laughs> for sure that dog is not going anywhere <laughs> i think that's probably pretty true actually if a yep. culture if a company culture has office dogs it's like they just self-select for people that don't hate dogs yep so yeah because you can't even interview choice. it's like ah, ah dogs yeah now office cats I just had an office cat in my office for most of this podcast and it <laughs> really improved the quality. So oh, I think those are That's great. Inarguably good. I guess so. Especially when they start stepping on your keyboard. Yeah. No, my cat is actually a pretty good office cat. She'll just like curl up in my lap and sit there for an hour while I type. Wow, that's kind of I think cool. that's because her name is Rear Admiral Grace Hopper. So she has a background <laughs> in computing. <laughs> that's fantastic. Rear Admiral why Rear Admiral? Because she was a rear admiral. Grace Hopper was? In the Navy. Yeah. No, I didn't yeah, know that. I didn't career. know her her uh, military title. Yeah. Yeah. She was a pretty high ranking person in the military. Also, my other cat is named Donald Nuth, and he's orange and fat, 
and his name is Donald, and now everyone thinks that he's named after Donald Trump. (laughs) Oh, I saw that coming. (laughs) Yeah, it's an interesting conversation to have with people when we're like, oh, this one's Donald, and then it's depending on whether they like or don't like Donald Trump, they give me different looks. Yeah. Either way, you're going to get a reaction. I'm like, no, no, it's Donald Knuth. Haven't you heard of Donald Knuth? Famous computer computer scientist. scientist. (laughs) No. (laughs) <laughs> no i have not heard of donald Trump. no they haven't no <laughs> okay he's All right. named after donald trump <laughs> what should people do if they want their questions answered dave go hit our website at softskills.audio and click on ask a question or follow us on twitter at soft skills eng our direct messages are open for anyone to send us any message That's true. We've gotten a few recently. Thank you. And if you want to contribute to the Patreon, we really appreciate your support. You you make us feel great, really. It it does make a pretty big difference in how we feel about doing the podcast to see that this many people care enough to contribute financially. So thank you so much for that. Please keep it up. And I think with that, we'll just catch you next week. All right.